0: Welcome to Hot Mom Habits, the ultimate podcast for moms who want to prioritize their health and wellness while doing all the things. I'm your host, Natalie Schwartz, certified health coach, postpartum fitness instructor, and mom of three. I'm here to help you establish healthy habits and maintain a balanced lifestyle. So let's get into it. I have Cara Terrell on the podcast today, and we are talking all things managing toddler meltdowns. You've been there. I've been there. I am currently there every day. So we get into it on the podcast and she gives some real life examples, tangible tips that you can do when a meltdown occurs, what the meltdown really means, where to meet your child when they're having that. It was just so... So freaking helpful. I loved the entire conversation. And for those of you who don't know Cara, you are going to fall in love with her. But she is a master in education, Vermont based early childhood educator. She's a collaborative parenting coach and she is the founder of Core for Parenting. Um, She truly is like the most compassionate kind, loving woman, and she is obsessed with littles and helping them thrive and be preschool ready and world ready. And so this conversation, I think you're going to get so much value out of, so let's get right into it. Welcome, Kara, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. This is so funny because I know we were going back and forth in DMs, and I feel like this topic couldn't come at a better time in my life personally for having a toddler meltdown issue. But um, I I love that that we're going to dive into this topic because I think such a hot mom habit is to be forever showing up and working on ourselves as a parent you know, to be the best parent that we can be and the communicators with our little people. I think that that's something that I've said on this podcast many times. We don't just we're not born knowing how to parent these small children. And so I think it's such a great habit or a great lifestyle choice to be forever learning and how we can best show up to serve them. So welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And uh, yes, I totally agree with you. I talk about parenting personal development in that way, that we are always learners and growers alongside our kids who are learning and growing. just so happens that we're their guide, but that doesn't mean we don't get to ask for help.
0: Yes, 100%. So before we sort of dive into it, I'd love to know like a little bit how you got started to where you are. Like, did you always love little kids? Like how, you know, we're like working with the parents, like how did you come to be in the place that you are now?
1: Uh, This is a huge yes for me. (laughs) I've always loved little kids. And Um, I'm an only child. So for me, it was an act of desperation. My parents Mm. were not going to give me a sibling. And I was just so drawn to little kids that at the age of 12, I said, well, fine. I'll go find them myself then. And I started my journey of chronic babysitting, right? Becoming a family member to other people who really needed at first a mother's helper and then a long-term sitter. And that was how I started out. But intrinsically, I just am so drawn to them. I seem to get them, understand where they are and who they are in that moment and what they need in order to feel safe enough to get through tricky times. So that's who I am. And then I went on and had my own kids. I've been nanny to many, many families. I became a preschool and a kindergarten teacher to feed my need to be with kids, as well as my love of teaching, and it led me to become an online parent educator and coach during COVID when parents were really struggling.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love, I just love that about you because I was never one who loved little kids. I was, I didn't even think I would want to be a mom myself. And so I think it does take such a special type of person who is like loving on them and who gets them and wants to be in that world. So that's incredible. So in terms of toddler meltdowns, what would you say classifies as a toddler meltdown?
1: Oh, this is a great question. Um, well, I mean, you're in the thick of it. So let me turn it around on you and say, <laughs> when, your, when your toddler is having a meltdown, how do you know?
0: Well, I mean, they're just, Well, I can think of Tommy right now, my three and a half year old, he's just crying, screaming, irrational, like, you know, just nothing, no sense can be had for him.
1: Absolutely. So that is the act of melting down. Okay. That's the, uh, the end result. We're starting at the end okay. when we see and hear that and get triggered Yeah. So they're at the end of their meltdown process and you're just at the beginning of yours.
0: Oh, that is so interesting. And that does make sense. And, And especially when you said the word trigger, because it does, it like triggers you in a way that I'm sure probably brings up old stuff from like your childhood. That's why it's triggering you. And it's like, in those moments what the heck like how do you deal with that you know like sometimes it's like calm and collective and I'm like oh sweetie like it's okay let's calm down other times I'm just like you've got to, to stop the crying like it's so crazy you and your brother are doing this back and forth
1: yes so when you think of it that way first there's this sense of awareness Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you think of it that way, and I'm going to deconstruct Tommy's meltdown for you. So I'm going to bring you back to the beginning for him. Okay. But knowing that his end is your beginning, your trigger, and part of it is definitely old childhood stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Being on yeah. the other side of it, yeah, because you you lived childhood. Yeah. Part of it is also sensory issues. As human beings, it's very jarring to hear that type of yelling and screaming, and it automatically puts us into a fight, flight, or freeze state.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I feel like it's like it's like a cortisol spike, and it just literally makes me so tense to hear that like complete just screaming at the top of his lungs.
1: Exactly. So you're in one space and he's in another. So let's, let's back up his meltdown experience. Meltdowns are emotions that have not been processed completely or in a healthy way. And inside the body of a toddler, they have to go somewhere. Mm. As adults, we have, it's not a good habit, but we have the ability to hold those emotions and not let them process and flow through. Kids mm. don't have that ability. Okay. It is a free flowing thing for them. So there was an emotion or many that Tommy was feeling about an action that either he or somebody else took. Mm -hmm. And he went straight from zero to 60, Mm
0: -hmm. didn't
1: know what to do with what he was feeling, didn't know how to assign a a label to what am I feeling, didn't know how to, when I feel this way, here are some things that can help me process it so that I don't have to use my voice, Mm -hmm. so I don't have to use my body, Mm
0: -hmm. so I don't
1: have to grab things back. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just like, I'm like taking a moment to take that in. Just think it it's a relief in a sense to hear it in that way, to, to view it from his little point of view, you know, to just be letting that sort of emotion take place. Um, yeah, that, how do you, how do you interject then in those moments where they're having that meltdown and you're at the beginning of like your trigger How do you comfort them or how do you sort of bring them out of that? And I guess on the flip side of that, are there tools or something that we can use as the parents to sort of not prevent them, but help them channel those emotions?
1: Exactly. All right. So you can see how we're on parallel tracks here, right? We're doing the work as a mom and we're doing the work for the benefit of our kiddo. As far as the trigger is concerned for you, it's about awareness. And I have what I call my five mindset mantras for managing toddler meltdowns, but they're really for managing your reaction to the meltdown, right? So just knowing that meltdowns are part of learning. Mm-hmm. Saying, OK, my child's having a learning moment right now. I understand that there's an emotion that's not being processed well enough, and that's why he's landing here. I'm going to be a little bit of a detective and see if I can figure out what that emotion was, what that experience was. So now you're in observation mode, you're in detective mode. Um, we love as moms to do right? And we love to try and solve. So let's use these these intrinsic needs of ours to the best of their ability in this moment. Still crying? Absolutely. But you now have a mindset and a framework where you're like, okay, I understand also that Tommy can't hear me right now. There will be no reasoning with him. Yeah. We're not solving this because he's so far gone that all I get to do right now is allow him to finish feeling those feelings the way they're coming out of his body.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And I tell my husband this too, because my husband sometimes is like, Oh my God, he cries over everything. And it's this big emotions that come out and this big cry. And I'm just like, you know, let him feel his feelings. Like I always try to tell both the boys, my seven-year-old and then Tommy's three, like you are allowed to feel your feelings, like feel them a hundred percent. However, like we can't hit or we can't scratch in the process of that.
1: So the work comes when he has returned to center So your process starts with his end meltdown and you're being Mm -hmm. triggered. You find your center so that he can come back to his faster. Then the work begins. And you alluded to it at the beginning of this talk, which was Mm -hmm. the conversations we have with our kids. Okay. So now we're going to have a conversation. Can you give me um, a real life example Mm -hmm. of the toy or the situation, whatever it was.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of it is with his brother. So they are, you know, home at summer, they're constantly together. And it's like, if Jack m- is messing with him, like maybe Tommy's doing a puzzle and Jack will like move the piece, like to kind of be, you know, like a little bratty older brother, you know, messing, <laughs> he's messing with him. And then Tommy, you know, will say like, stop doing that or something. And then if Jack does it again, then he'll just, Wah! you know, just sort of, he just screams high pitched and is crying. And I always run in and I always say, Jack, stop messing with your brother. So I don't know if Tommy is doing it now because he knows mom's going to come in and yell at you. If I react mm-hmm. in this way, if I've sort of you know, nurtured this response in him to deal with things. Um, But it's definitely like if he's being messed with by his brother or like doesn't get his way in this, in a sense, not always, but it's definitely his go-to response is to sort of scream at the top of his lungs and then tears follow.
1: Okay. This is fantastic because we have two different ways that you can attack this. Okay. They're both proactive but they cannot happen during the time of the crying. Okay.
0: And for anybody listening to like insert your own Tommy, like insert your own situation, your own experience with meltdowns, because we're all moms who are listening to the show. We we're all literally walking in this season of life right now. So insert your experience here. Exactly. So if you hear, don't do that, Jack.
1: And you are close enough, local enough. Okay. Hop in at that moment. Like make a big, crazy deal of it. Literally jump your body to the boys or something. And yeah. Be like, whoa, whoa. I just heard Tommy say, Jack, don't do that. Yeah. Tommy, those were awesome words. What's happening right now that Jack is doing? that you don't like get in the conversation in that second and see if you can prevent that meltdown by tapping into his emotion, what he's, Oh, I get it. You're so frustrated. He moved your puzzle piece and you were just about to put it where it was supposed to go. Yeah. That is really frustrating. I totally understand how you feel right now. Jack, how do you think he's feeling right now? Get them in the conversation together. You have a seven-year-old. Yes. He's fully capable of learning that you're going to ask him to do some empathizing. Oh,
0: for sure. For
1: sure. Um, So if you can get in there in that moment, you're going to prevent the massive meltdown and then you get your teachable moment. Okay, Tommy, this is great. We, we solved this before it became a big problem and you didn't cry. Yes. You didn't yes. cry. You didn't yell. Wow. Instead we talked about how you felt next time you feel frustrated. What do you think you can do instead of crying?
0: Okay. Ask him that. Yeah.
1: Yeah future cast it. Okay. Oh, well I have some ideas. Let's let's hear yours, but I have some ideas of what you could do too. So that's one way if you can get in there if you're close enough before the bomb goes off. Okay. Okay. So that's one way. The second way is to let the meltdown get get done. <laughs> get back to center and then go ahead and have a conversation that happens afterwards. Okay.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I think that in the moment it's so much easier said than done. And, you know, especially if the sibling is going back and forth and all of those things, but I think that that makes total sense and especially honoring like your child's feelings in that moment, like, okay, that's right. Like you can feel frustrated for that happening, whatever that may be. And then asking them to express themselves without that meltdown. Is that sort of like,
1: yeah, so that's really like ideal outcome. Right now you're 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 telling me what every mom who has toddlers in their life on a daily basis tells me, which is um, we're not always dealing with ideal. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so what else? What else you got for me? So the first first thing I want to make sure that people know is that this the strategies that are going to work for your child are one hundred percent based on your child is. And you know that deeply and intimately, and you know that your two kids are not the same. So talking it out might be all one kid needs because that really works for them. Yeah. Other kids are yeah. way more kinesthetic, especially in the moment that they get triggered. So for some kids, I, I recommend that parents actually make um, stop signs, like little red stop signs on on popsicle sticks yeah and that kid can just once they learn oh my gosh i'm feeling that way again that thing that my mom calls frustrated that thing that my mom calls angry i'm feeling it again they just can run for their stop sign and hold it up or to their brother or they can run for their stop sign and bring it to you okay and say he's making me feel that way again can you come help me?
0: Okay. Okay. That's a good, that's a good little tool. That's good to have for sure. So what are you, what are you doing in those moments? Like when you're having this experience, when you're triggered, is there something that you can immediately do? Like you said, like find your center. Are you physically leaving? Are you removing yourself from the situation for a second to like, bring it down or what are you doing?
1: I don't remove myself from the situation because as much as I know that this little one is so far gone that getting in there and solving it right now, isn't going to work. Physical presence matters. Okay. That's good to know. know. From your child's perspective. Like if I don't, I didn't have this experience, right? I'm an only, but if, I had been arguing with a sibling and my parent left the room, I'd be like, oh, well, I guess that means I'm in it on my own. I'm going to dig deeper and maybe those fists are going
0: to fly. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Cause sometimes you hear like, uh, you know, and I've heard this before too, where it's just like, okay, well just remove yourself, like collect yourself and then come back and deal with it. But that makes total sense because, and two, I would also feel like, would your child then be like, okay, mom doesn't care. She's just leaving the room. So here we go. Right.
1: right. I'm on my own. The other thing, but however, so you, so you stay in the room, mm-hmm. but make a production of modeling how you are calming yourself down. Okay. This is huge because as much as they can't hear the why did you do that or like stop that or stop crying, none of that is going to resonate inside a massive meltdown moment. They're still sensorily taking it all in. They're still watching. Mm -hmm. They're still listening. They're still feeling the energy in the room. So if you are saying out loud, not to them, just to the room, yeah, that sound is so, your crying is so loud. Wow, it's really actually hurting my ears. I'm going to take a deep breath and close my eyes and see if I can calm myself so it's not so upsetting to me. And you take your deep breath and you do it right there in front of them. And now it's likely you've kind of got their attention. They're curious about, so maybe they're crying a little bit less. It's not so loud. Wow. I feel like I can still be here next to you right now. You're not crying as loud anymore. It feels so, let's say, I'm going to take another deep breath. You want to take one with me? Let's do it together. Let's see. Let's do it together. So now you've got two deep breaths under your belt. Meanwhile, your meltdown mantras are floating through your head. I know my child is learning through this experience. I know if I react, if I yell, or if I interject, I'm only going to make it worse. I know when I calm my body, they're going to calm theirs faster. I know I'm going to sit down and get small on their level so that they feel comforted by my presence. And so you are really just managing the energy.
0: Okay, okay, that makes sense. And what about when you are in public and this happens? Like, (laughs) I'll never forget when my husband and I, we were in Target one time, and there was a family in the checkout line, and the little girl was face down on the ground of Target, sprawled out, just screaming, and her parents just ignoring it, just checking out as normal, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, and we've all been there. I mean, my kids have not maybe face down in Target, but like, you know, I've had little moments here and there, so it's like, in public what do you do do you do the same thing do you try and calm them and say let's get to the car and talk about this or how how would what would your advice be
1: first of all um i want to know while you were watching those parents just do business as usual and allow their child to have their meltdown what were you thinking
0: i mean i don't know if this is the right thing or not but i was almost thinking well good for them they're not encouraging this behavior and if she wants to act a fool in public people are going to be looking at her not the parents and you can't bribe them or i'll get just get up i'll give you a piece of candy at checkout if you just stop doing this you know like and i'm sort of like old school. I don't know if that's old school or what, but my mom was very much like that way too. She was just like, I'm not going to give any energy to this. And then, you know, hopefully you'll stop or whatever. I don't know. What, what are, what are your initial reaction to that story?
1: I love that because what you just described is a very atypical internal dialogue. When people see things like that in public, Mm -hmm. usually it's far more, Oh my gosh, my kids would never do that, right? Denial. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. if if it were me, I would, right? The judgment piece. Yeah. Uh so yeah. I love that. And that's if that's old school, it's also now new school. Okay. Because this is the new way of thinking when we are doing conscious collaborative parenting, which is what I teach. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love that these parents held their held their power position. And I believe very strongly that. Parenting in public is one of the hardest things that we are asked to do. You have to stay true to your parenting why, what your strategies are, and whatever you would do in your home is what you're going to do in public. A couple things. One, do not apologize for your children to other people in that space. Okay. As a kid, hearing your child apologize for your choices, especially when they might've been out of your control. If you have a neurodivergent child, right? It's really uh, identity crushing. So we're not gonna look to the person behind us in line and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. We're not gonna do that. Secondly, Can you sit down in the middle of Target with your child and run through what you would normally do at home in the playroom? Sure, you can. I've definitely done it. I feel confident enough in that. And if I have the time, I am going to show my child the consistency of when you feel this out of control, this is how I, your mom, show up to help you get back into control. Okay. If you don't have the time.
0: Yeah or
1: you're literally in like checking your stuff out. Yeah. So there's, there's this pressure to, to keep moving. I would just say to your tiny human, when, when you're ready to, to go, let them do their thing until you literally are done and ready to go. I know that you're not done feeling your feelings, but I'm going to pick you up and move your body now because we need to get to the car. You can keep crying in the car. If you're still feeling this way.
0: Okay. That's perfect. I feel like that—that that is something that I would do or say in that moment. And that is good. And I, and I love that you too are not like, stop the crying, stop your crying. Like, don't, like, I'm such a proponent of like, feel your emotions. Like, I don't want to stifle them. I don't want you to think that crying is bad. Like, I want you to express yourself and feel all of your feelings Um, so I love that. That is something that you suggest as well. What happens when a meltdown becomes sort of physical? Like if Mm -hmm. they're scratching, like Tommy is a scratcher and I'm only going back to, to, you know, this is because this is my current experience. And I hope anybody who's listening, maybe you have a biter and maybe you have a hitter or whatever it is but he'll lash out at his brother. He doesn't scratch me or my husband, but he will scratch his brother as like a defense mechanism or whatever when he's like so triggered by whatever Jack is doing to him in the moment.
1: Of course he will. Of course it's Jack and not you and not your husband. Are you the one taking toys away and moving puzzle pieces? Yeah. No, right? This is the defense mechanism that he has decided he has no choice but to go with because the yelling and the screaming isn't working. Mm. And what is interesting to me is that, you know, you shared that you're in, when you hear it, you come into the room, you're triggered in mm-hmm. your fight, flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. And your reaction of Jack, stop it, mm-hmm. is a fight reaction. Words are fighting. Hmm. When kids use words with us, those are, that's a fighting action. Okay. Um, And so it's interesting to me that he realizes your words to his older brother. They're just not working. So Mm -hmm. now he's like, well, I guess I better take it up a notch and try something else. So how about I scratch? Okay. So now we're into the psychology of why he's getting there. But we know that's not okay to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when you, whether you're able to intercept in time and have the conversation mm-hmm. or it's afterwards, you want to inter- you want some sentence that sounds like it's okay to be angry. It is not okay to use your hands and hurt your brother.
0: Yes. And that is definitely what I always say. I always am like, you can feel mad or feel your feelings, but we absolutely cannot scratch. You cannot hurt people. We need to keep our hands to ourselves. You know, I always go down that realm as well.
1: So, we're really teaching him about feelings so let's be super clear then your feelings don't come through your fingers mm, that's a good that's a good tip that's good Your feelings come through your words okay If you need help figuring out how to talk about them let me know I okay. can help you do that oh, that's Your good. feelings yes. do not come through your fingers now he's three and a half yes. What we haven't said out loud is the obvious, right? He's a COVID baby. Uh He was six months old when the world shut down. Mm -hmm. So there is some level of, of, oh my goodness, I had a very different experience during my early years than other kids did during their early years at play here. So chances are he's going to need more repetition more reminders more practice even though it's sibling and he's been in connection with his sibling all these years Mm -hmm. he didn't have what most kids do during that three three and a half year old early period of getting to have those interactions and experiences with lots of other kids his own age Mm -hmm. and they learn a ton of the organic nuances that way
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that that makes sense. I mean, and I know that I've shared this with you too. I mean, we tried to keep things as normal as possible during that time. I mean, we moved states, we moved from California, which was so (laughs) shut down and strict to Ohio to be closer to family and have more sort of like just normalcy for our kids. But when Jack was a baby... I started teaching Stroller Strides when he was eight weeks, and then I taught that for two years. So he was around other kids his own age from the time he was a newborn until he was two, Mm -hmm. constantly interacting with kids. And so that he never really had that kind of um, meltdowns that Tommy is having. So maybe that there is some truth to that, that I haven't really given too much thought to in terms of, of that, like being around kids, your own age, even as a baby, you know, up and through the toddler years, how much that plays a role in sort of all of those emotions.
1: It really does. However, the behavior can't be ignored. So you've, you're going to have to also give him his version of choice If you choose to scratch your brother, then you're choosing that. And then the end of that sentence is your decision, right? You're choosing that I move you to a different room for five minutes. You're choosing that this toy is not going to be available for the rest of the morning, whatever the natural consequence. I'm a big believer in the punishment fits the crime. Okay. So if the If the puzzles, since that's where we were landing, is the issue, right? And it got to the point where he threw his puzzle piece and went and scratched his brother, then attach it somehow to that experience. But whatever the outcome is, that natural consequence is something that you get to decide and then you get to follow through on And the more of those experiences and that repetition, the more he's going to believe when mom says, if this is what you're choosing to do, hurt your brother, then I'm going to make sure that I keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. By doing this, he will start to back off that behavior and he'll probably try something else.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, I think that that's good, too. And my mom was always a big advocate of following through, even as I was in high school. Like, I was never one to, like, sneak out or, you know, I did some funny business stuff, you know, but I never, (laughs) like, snuck out or, like, did anything crazy because my mom would always follow through. And I knew that she meant business. like She would ground me for the whole summer if I did something, you know? So I try to be that parent too, even now, as the kids are so little. Is like, I always tell my husband, I'm like, we have to follow through or they're gonna just always think, oh, I can just keep doing it because there's never gonna be a consequence. And I think that that's such an important lesson for us moms to be reminded of is to have that follow through even though maybe it is a pain in the ass because you don't want them to you need them to have screen time for 30 minutes so you can just have a mental break but if that's the takeaway thing then you have to follow through with it
1: yeah it's absolutely true and you know In my curriculum, I teach what are called the core four connectors, Mm -hmm. and that is the relationship between you and your children. And it's the foundation for everything else that you're going to navigate together, not just in the toddler years. Because I say if you win the toddler years, you've already won the teenage years, and it's the relationship. So in all these interactions that you and I have been talking about today, Mm -hmm. what you're Mm -hmm. doing is you are teaching your kids that you are 100% honest with them. You say what you mean and you mean what you say, mm-hmm. that you respect their feelings and you respect their opinions and they can respect yours. It's this mutual respect Okay. that you have this open line of communication that is allowed. Even when the conversations are hard or loud, yeah. <laughs> you are willing to be in that conversation with them and that you're going to tell them the truth. And you expect them to tell you the truth, even when it's not easy, even when the truth is, yes, I broke that lamp because I lost my temper and I threw the ball, Mm -hmm. right? If we have a relationship where we are mutually allowing those four things to go back and forth between a parent and a child, then you have the foundation to be able to have the conversations pre or post meltdown. And they're going to say, Oh, I am safe enough to be in this with my mom. I do know that she's going to be here to support me through it, even when it's hard. And then the other side of that is you all, you get these wildly sweet celebration moments Mm -hmm. after you do all this work. And uh, he runs to you one day and says, Jack just took my puzzle and ripped it apart. And I was so mad. And mom, I went and I stomped on a pillow three times and I feel a little better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Those are sweet moments. Yes. A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Those are like the victories.
1: I remember this little girl I used to nanny for. Oh my gosh. She's so funny. And she was a wild, feisty human being by nature. And so this tapering was a lot of work over years. And one day she came to me and she just stomped her foot and she said, I am so mad right now that I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to slam the door. And then when I'm done slamming the door, I'm going to sit in my tent and read some books. And when I feel better, then I'll be back. Like she was telling me. <laughs> all. And she did all those things. And when she came back, I was like, Feel better? So like, yeah, we just moved on
0: with our day. Oh my gosh, that is so funny! Kids are so funny, and it's just—it is just amazing that even at the age of like two and three, they have these wild, big personalities. And that is Tommy to a T, and it just kills us. Me and my husband are always just dying laughing. Like this person is just so wild, but in the best way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh! Thank you so much for just all of that information. I think it's so helpful for us moms to approach these situations because these are the moments that shape them into who they're going to be and how their emotions are dealt with and how we manage our emotions and show up and let them know, hey, you are safe. This is okay to feel this way. X, Y, and Z isn't okay to do physically, you know, like all of those things I, again, like I said in the beginning, we just don't know how to parent in that way automatically. I mean, we may have some intuitive things that come up, but I think it's just so important to always be a student of learning and showing up for our little people in the best way possible. And I know that you have an amazing free guide for moms, right? Where can they get that? And what is it? What is it?
1: Yes. So it's called the five mindful mantras for managing toddler meltdowns. And I gave you these mini mantras that you can be playing on repeat in your head while you're in the moment. And I also did the audio for you. So if you're someone who wants to hear somebody else talk you down, then you can just hit the play button in the morning, get your mantras in your head so you're ready for when they pop up throughout the day. And it's super easy. You just go to karaterrell.com backslash mantras and i'm sure you'll have that link in the show notes yes. but my name has two r's and two l's <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes and i will put that link in the show notes and link to kara's website in ways that you can get involved in her world um and then where are you on instagram what's your handle I-
1: on Instagram, I'm at core4parenting with the number four in the middle. Okay. And you also can pop over and listen to my podcast, Transforming the Toddler Years, which I do a Tuesday teaching episode every week. It's 10, 15 minutes tops, get some of this out there for you. And then I bring on guests on Thursdays and share more about how raising the toddlers is such a big job.
0: Yes. And we are actually going to do a podcast swap. So I'm going to go on to Kara's podcast. And, um, I was listening to your podcast yesterday while I was doing the dishes and I listened to the episode on why kids use curse words or why they pick that up. And I thought it was so good and it was so interesting. So if you want to check that out, head over to her podcast, transforming the toddler years and Cara, it was so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: I enjoyed every second of it. This is where I get my true joy is working with and for the benefit of parents and this next generation of kids.